Caitlin, you grew up in Ohio. How big was the town you grew up in? Like, how many people did you graduate high school with? Well, shout out to Northmont High School. Go Thunderbolts. Um, I graduated with 380 people in my class. What about you? I know we've talked about this before. How big was the high school you went to? I graduated with eight people. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. Let me ask you this. How many people in your graduating class were not Christian? I would say most people probably would have said Christian. And is that true for you? (laughs) Okay, okay. Hold that thought. We need to introduce ourselves. Right. We haven't done that yet. Hi, I'm Roxy. And I'm Caitlin. And from Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women living in New York City with ambition and devotion. We'll be exploring all the ways that heartland evangelicalism can actually flourish in a city like New York. And coming up on this episode, the tremendous Dr. Lakeisha Walrand, president of New York Theological Seminary. But first, we really do need to go back to your hometown, Roxy, of Vona, Colorado, and the eight people that you graduated high school with. So how does dating in high school work when there are only eight of you? When I was a freshman, I dated um, the senior quarterback. You really had to work that detail into this podcast. Actually, I think I was, uh, that's not true. I was a sophomore when I started dating. (laughs) Got it. Well, um, I'm guessing it was a pretty Christian town. Well, there's only one church in town, a Baptist church. Would you have considered yourself like a Baptist? No, there wasn't that much of like a denominational affiliation necessarily. That's where we got our pastors was from the Baptist denomination. And there were elements of it that I recognize as being Baptist. You know, we did communion once a month kind of thing. Well, what, how did you do it is the big question. The church ladies baked pie crust on cookie sheets and then cut it into tiny squares. That's awesome. And the best part is when it was my mom's turn, she would always make an extra tray and put cinnamon and sugar on the pie crust. Just like the body of our Lord. Yep. A little sweet and a little spicy. Definitely heretical. (laughs) But it was really had a feeling more of an evangelical church in retrospect, even though I was out in the middle of nowhere with one radio station and one church. I still somehow got to experience most of the cultural evangelicalism of the 90s, <laughs> like focus on the family mm-hmm. and adventures in Odyssey and Amy Grant. It's all coming back. Yeah, pretty much. So it's interesting. I mean, I grew up going to a United Methodist church. It was only Methodist in name. It was a mega church hopeful. And yeah. so I was super involved in youth group. And that youth group is why I ended up on a trip to New York City when I was 15. Was that your first time in the city? Mm-hmm. What was that like? So I was nervous or like kind mm-hmm. of intimidated, but I was also exhilarated. Yeah. I had been asked to volunteer with Meals on Wheels and through this delivery service, like actually getting to see inside people's apartment buildings. Like I don't think I'd ever seen people living in apartments before, which sounds really silly. Yeah. But I feel like it planted a seed could actually live here. Later, as an adult, you know, I would, I start actually dreaming, like having dreams about New York. Really? Yeah. I'd have a dream, maybe like every couple months, I'm like living in a tiny apartment in a vast metropolis. And then (laughs) kind of felt like, I could make this dream a reality. Like maybe I could actually 
live in New York. Unfortunately, when I started to tell friends, Christian friends, about moving to New York, I remember this one really specific conversation with a married couple. The husband said, you just really need to be careful. I didn't know what he meant by that. And I asked him, why? Why do I need to be careful? And he said something like, you know, the the restaurants and the bars, they're just really seductive. I remember seductive was the (laughs) word that he he used and he's not wrong (laughs) (laughs) yes there there is some truth to that but as we continued to talk I realized his concern was actually about my faith Mm -hmm. like there's just something in the air that's going to be damaging to your faith I remember hearing things like that and that phrase you know that gets tossed out there a lot that it's just kind of a slippery slope and you compromise in this way and then this way and then suddenly you're like on your way down to hell. And sometimes I wonder if there's some truth to that. <laughs> I do I do find the city seductive in a lot of ways. When my friend first told me to be concerned about moving to New York, part of me really rejected that. But there is this part of me I did worry about becoming spiritually unmoored. Mm-hmm. Or like, is this whole faith thing going to take a backseat to other things? And... I do feel like being a Christian in New York doesn't just happen due to cultural norms, like just following along with whatever your neighbors are doing. It does feel like it requires one to make a deliberate choice to, for example, go to church on Sundays. That's not something that your neighbors, most of your neighbors are doing. I do feel that New York has challenged my faith, but I think thus far in a fruitful way. I mean, I'll be honest, the first, especially the first six months when I moved to New York, I partied pretty hard. Um, Like, I had a really good time. Yeah. I would go to dance clubs. Mm -hmm. I, you know, was definitely like sampling the fruits of the city in terms of like great cocktails and nightlife. And the city just felt like it held so much excitement, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, I spent way too much money the first six months that I lived here. Like I was it's always e- going out to, to eat. I was like <laughs> so enamored with the fashion. So I definitely feel like the first six months I was a little like seduced by the city and mm-hmm. some of what it had to offer that didn't always feel so very Christian. I think part of the appeal of living in New York for me has been precisely that it seems to be a challenging place. Yes. Like, you don't just move to New York willy-nilly. <laughs> it, like, it is a real big life decision that requires a lot and costs a lot. And you feel like you need to make the most of your time in a place like this. Mm-hmm. But that has injected the last couple years of my life with a sense of intentionality and purpose and kind of wanting to see if I was strong enough. Yes. I was the same. I mean, people would ask me, and, and one of the common answers that I would give was like, I wanted to move here for the challenge. I wanted mm-hmm. to live in a place that like demanded something of me, mm-hmm. um, that I felt like I had to rise to the occasion a little bit. There's so many moments of living in New York that should have been mundane, but somehow mm-hmm. are just like crystallized in my mind because they were so 
symbolic or representative. Like I have this one memory of being in Williamsburg. It was pouring rain and I got stuck in it and I didn't have an umbrella and I just embraced it and remember just like walking around in the pouring rain and being like, I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> like I really <laughs> am, you know? <laughs> and and just, you broke like, out this... into song. Exactly. I mean, I felt there was definitely a soundtrack going on in my head at least. <laughs> yes. So, Roxy, I had a hunch that this city mouse, country mouse dynamic went way beyond New York, even beyond America itself, that this was an old, old dynamic. What do you mean old, old? As old as Christianity itself. Christian attitudes to the city have obviously changed a lot over time. So that's Philip Jenkins, the renowned church historian currently at Baylor University. I wanted to ask him about this city-country tension and where it comes from. As it turns out, it arises from a rift in the Protestant movement itself. So in the 19th century, American cities came to be seen as being predominantly Catholic, later with a strong Jewish element. And the kind of Protestantism that was associated with the city was usually very social gospel, very progressive. And it goes without saying that that is not what was happening among the country mouses, as one might say. This sounds exactly like what was going on for us 200 years later. Exactly. So that fear that you and I were taught the sense of guilt that we have because we decided to move to the big bad city is because of our evangelical heritage and it's split with other Protestant traditions. Exactly. And this fear and distrust of the city would take on much greater cultural power over time. Here's what Dr. Jenkins said. The city became uh, the focus of, if you like, a lot of symbolic politics, what sociologists sometimes call symbolic crusades. Uh, so when people would try to pass morality laws, sometimes they were using these uh, symbolic attacks uh, against cities, urban values, and so on. A symbolic crusade. That's so telling about our current life. Yeah, it sounds a little familiar. It's this symbolic crusade that we can feel all around us. And it's honestly hard to see how that tension can be resolved. Exactly. Oh, man. Such a love-hate thing with New York. It is such a mixed bag. There are so many singular things about living here. They're the parts that make it worth it. For sure. Now, I am still a little haunted by some of those voices from home. Those New York City naysayers. Well, we wanted to talk to someone like us, a Christian transplant who has learned to navigate faith in the city over many years. She is awesome. Dr. Lakeisha Walren, president of New York Theological Seminary. Coming up in just a sec. But not before we say a few words about our patrons. Religion News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. And yes, full disclosure, I do work there. Check out the newsletters, the opinion pieces from all different perspectives and belief systems. From Simran Jeet Singh's Articles of Faith to Jonathan Merritt's On Faith and Culture. From Omar Suleiman's Islam Beyond Phobia and Jana Reese's Flunking Satehood, there's something for everyone. For the best in global religion reporting, visit religionnews.com. And while you're in front of your computer, contact us. We want to hear from you. Send us your New York faith story or wherever you live. You can shoot us an email to sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. You can even record your story and email that to us as well. And maybe we'll play it on the show. Send it to sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. Dr. 
Dr. Lakeisha Walrand is the president of New York Theological Seminary. She is the first African-American female president of NYTS. She's a highly sought-after speaker around the globe, and I think you'll hear why in a moment. We wanted to know if other Christian women felt the same pull from New York City and whether they got the same kind of pushback from their hometowns. Thank you so much for being on our very first episode. The podcast is really about what it's like to navigate faith in New York City. And it's particularly in this episode, we talk about the way that a lot of our friends and family were like, what? The city? (laughs) So scary. (laughs) So I think to start, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and where you grew up. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Texas in a very small town, but from a family that had huge faith. And I too grew up very conservative. Um, so I'd never met like a Jewish person. I'd never met, you know, a Muslim person. Same. So yeah, right. Everybody kind of believed the same thing. Um, so, you know, fast forward getting to New York, uh, where there's so much diversity it forced me to really begin to examine the things that I believed. And I'm really, really grateful for that opportunity because it exposed me um, to so many ways and avenues to get to God. You know, coming from small town Texas, it was one way. You know, it it was Jesus or nothing. You know, anybody that doesn't believe in Jesus is going to hell. That's what I was taught. That's how I grew up. (laughs) Those are the things that I said. Talk a little bit about your transition to New York. So after college, my husband was called to uh, First Corinthian Baptist Church uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, our whole family went to New York. Now he's from New York. So for him, oh, it was okay. like going home, right? So Were you nervous though? Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was so terrified um, of being in this big city. You know, being from Texas, we do everything Mm. slow in Texas. We walk Mm. slow, we talk slow, (laughs) we eat slow. You know, we're taking our time. That first month in New York, I think I had people honking horns Mm -hmm. at me because I was driving slow or I was letting people <laughs> over, you know, my husband was like, you got to walk faster than that. You, you know, <laughs> you, you, so it was just a completely, it was a culture shock. Yeah, It was a culture shock. So I had visited, you know, his mom lived in Long Island, but Long Island is still a little slower than New York City. Being in the city was just, it was an entirely, you know, it was, it was a beast. You know, people try to advise you to be careful, but then they tell you the horror story as to why you got to be careful. It's just like, oh my God. What were some tensions or challenges that you kind of immediately noticed between the city and the energy that went against your upbringing or the values that you were raised with? Right. So certainly around issues with the LGBTQ community. Right. Um, Because coming to New York and seeing how open folks were, you know, it gave me pause. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being able to lean into recognizing the humanity, recognizing the divinity, each one of us is a daughter, is a son, is a child of God. Then all other things kind of, you know, they fade away. So in your in your work with students at NYTS, people coming into the seminary, what are some of the most common challenges that students bring to you as they're mm-hmm. navigating faith and life in New York? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know what? It's, it's so interesting because when our students come in, they're coming in from very diverse backgrounds. So you have the student who's coming from the church that doesn't believe women are called into ministry. You have the student coming, you know, from a church that believes anyone that doesn't believe in Jesus is going to hell. You've got a student, you know, who's coming from the church is, you know, the LBGTQ community is an abomination. And then, of course, you have students who are coming in believing the exact opposite of those things. And so our responsibility is not really to evangelize, but it's to give students um, an understanding of theology, an understanding of faith, an understanding of faith traditions, so that they can develop their own theological understanding. And so the prayer, my prayer, is that as students leave, they leave different than how they came. I love that. <laughs> um, young people who move to the city um, who are transplants like, like us um, are often described as sort of consumers of the city, that they're here to benefit from the jobs or the culture or the nightlife, et cetera, and then that they leave. How do you think New York City transplants can best invest in the city and be part of the life and flourishing of the city instead of just looking for what the city can give us? That's a great question. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking because I remember growing up and hearing people say, you know, New York, you know, it's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> We've heard that more so, than once. <laughs> yes, many <right>? times. <laughs> I just think about New York is a place that I feel opens its arms to everyone. Now, mm-hmm. certainly when you get here, you're going to have to grind and you're going to have to work because the city <laughs> will eat you up if you don't. Yep. It definitely will. It takes no prisoners. But I think a part of what makes it what it is, is when um, people really come and build community. So I don't think it, it's anything specific that someone has to do or say. I think just being and being in community is really the, is really the best gift um, mm-hmm. that one can give. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful way of describing New York. So when you think back about that time that you first came to New York, what advice would you give to your younger self? You know what? It's so funny because when you ask that question, I, I think of one thing in particular. Don't forget who you are. You know, there's something to be said about, you know, being, you know, in the world, but not of the world. So you can be in New York, but not of New York. Those little things that make you, you know, that person from Colorado or those little things that make you that person from Ohio, those things that make me that person from Texas, bringing those things with me, holding on to those values that make us better, that make us stronger, that make us greater. That is the real gift. So to my younger self, I would just say, don't lose your authenticity while you are becoming a New Yorker. You can be a New Yorker and still honor the traditions and the life of your past. Oh, I love that. Um, And I want that too so much. Like I I so value the way that I grew up in the small town and thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you both. So I loved Lakeisha's last reminder to stay true to our roots. And we thought, what better way to do that than talk to the people who know us best, our mothers. 
And this is one of the more excruciating, potentially embarrassing ideas we had for you, our listeners, roping our mothers into this. So it's time for our next segment. It's so churchy, you'll die. Please welcome Karen and Sharon. They definitely need a theme song. (laughs) Please welcome Karen and Sharon. Okay, okay. So I called my mom. Hi, sweetie. As I do a lot. I'm great. We just got Her name is technically E. Karen Beatty, just to give it a dignified ring. I had one thing I wanted to ask her right out of the gate. When I initially told dad, this won't surprise you, but he said, well, I'll just say this. New York is a really expensive place to live. (laughs) But did you... (laughs) What did you think of the idea? Did you agree with dad or did you have different thoughts? So there were just some concerns that we had for you about how it was all going to work, the daily logistics of it. Have you ever been worried about me losing Christian faith living in New York? No, never. Why? That never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. I do know you have friends in New York who are Christians but I'm not worried about you being a Christian woman single in New York City. I would like that kind of church community as well. And I don't feel like I have found it yet. Mm-hmm. And finding a church is hard. It's work. Mm-hmm. It really is. I know your personality type well enough to know that that may not be easy mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Plus, I don't want to talk to like the 80-year-old man with bad breath at coffee hour. Aww. <laughs> Which has happened in the past, but I am glad to hear that you've never been worried about my faith here. Mm -mm. You'll find a connection, and I don't think your faith wavers. And I really love that you are in a diverse community because I am finding in this time that we're in that if you only communicate with, socialize with, go to church with people who are just like you. Um, you're not seeing God's world because I think we can get very close-minded about who's in and who's not in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like there's been a broadening effect here that at the end of the day, I think has enhanced my own faith rather than diminished it. Yes. Yes. It was really helpful to hear you say some of that, Mom. Oh, well, that's very kind. Sometimes when... We talk on the phone. There's, it's just difficult. <laughs> so having moments where we sit down and just talk very honestly about our feelings is not something we've always done very comfortably. I would agree with that. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking honestly with me. Oh, you are quite welcome. I'm glad I got to share with you some of my thoughts and feelings. And it brings me joy to know that you're happy to be there. Thank you. So, Caitlin, did anything surprise you um, when you talked to your mom? Yeah, I guess I was really expecting my mom to say that she was nervous about me moving to New York for how it could affect my spiritual life. I felt like I learned a lot from my mom (laughs) in that conversation. Um, What about your conversation with um, Sharon Stone? (laughs) Yes, Sharon Stone, the slightly less famous one. 
Um, she surprised me too. And, and in similar ways, she was not really nervous about my faith. Um, but she also was just more nervous about sort of the scariness of New York, just worried about my safety. Mm-hmm. So here's my mom. Hi, Roxy. <laughs> How are we today? <laughs> uh, it's been a long day already. Um, how did you know that I would move away? No, your dad and I knew that you were probably leave. We knew that this wasn't going to be enough for you. Mm-hmm. You were very adventurous and you were very curious. So we knew it was going to happen. And did you think it was going to be New York City? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> that was a real shock. That was a real <laughs> shock for both of us. You felt scared about me moving here? Oh, totally. I still do. You know that. <laughs> what? worried you the most about me moving here? I think the worst thing was the fact of the crime. And a lot of that was... Physical safety. Yes, physical safety. Definitely. Physical safety. I knew you'd be fine with other things. Were you worried about my faith at all? Like, did you think, oh, it's going to be hard to be a Christian in New York City? No. No. Really? Yeah. No. I'm more worried now than what I was before. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah? Yes. Why do you worry about that more now than in the past? Oh, I'm sorry. I worry more about physical safety as well as your faith being stretched. Is she going to get swallowed up by New York City? Is it just going to, is it going to change her? You know, that's, that's something that we all worry about. Has it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's changed me some. How do you think it's changed you? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's opened my eyes to a lot of... Um, experiences that other Americans mm-hmm. have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's there's temptations you have to battle in New York a lot, particularly like greed, like wanting things and seeing things. And mm. I think the city, the city becomes a sort of third character in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it does. I, I think there's ways it's 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 changed me. I mean, I'm hoping they're mostly for the good, but I I also feel like there's like it's a lonely city. It can be a lonely city. It's exacerbated things like depression and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's life. You know, I think that that's what makes everything so different for each one of us is the experiences that we have. And you've been very fortunate to have so many incredible experiences like living in New York City and being able to see the things that you've seen. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I hope I hope I hope it was all okay. I thought you were great. <laughs> so it seems like nobody was actually worried about us. They weren't actually worried about the strength of our faith. Right. They were worried about other people turning us into something they wouldn't recognize. Which isn't that kind of the same thing? Yeah, it's the polite way of saying it to us, I guess. Such a vote of confidence. (laughs) Especially for all the world to hear on this very podcast. So that's our show. I like podcasting most days. Me too. Although I will admit, I hate all of the wires all over my living room. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a workout from lifting this big pole that has a mic attached to it. But it's worth it because we're getting toned. So the great news (laughs) is that we have some more exciting, interesting episodes coming your way, listeners. So please do keep listening. Coming up next, we answer the question that many non-Christians have wanted to ask us, which is... How can you still be a Christian? 
Yep, definitely heard that one. Tale as old as Christianity. So we do want you to get in touch with us. You can tweet if you're on Twitter to the hashtag saved by the city. We will get it. And we do want to hear from you. We want to hear specifically what topics we should discuss and who we should talk to. And you can email us sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. Write us your story or make a recording of it and send it our way. And maybe we'll play it on the podcast. Saved by the City is a production of Religion News Service. The executive producer is Jay Woodward. And our consulting producer is Paul O'Donnell. Chaz Russo put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.